You a tourist. Hey, what you think of this? Is this your first time hearing it? Yeah, this is my first time hearing it. Yeah, it's my first time too. It sounds like some Street Fighter type of shit. I'm trying to I, visualize where we'll be in the film. But. No, I feel I feel like this is Michael B. Jordan's entrance. That oh yeah, that would be nice. Like like that 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 clip where he was blowing up the wall to get a uh, cloth out the yeah. out the interior. Yeah. I feel like this is that scene when they get out the truck and put on the mask and all that. Yeah, that that would be a perfect spot for it. Or like if they got a club scene. Man, True. what the clubs like in Wakanda? Exactly. <laughs> well, hey. there's a scene. Um, at least in the trailers, it looks like it's from. Um, but I think that's in South Korea, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's it a casino. A casino. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it's still again. It sounds like Street Fighter, like some some Cheech and Chong or. Karate fighting, Jackie Chan type shit. Um, anyway, man, yo, this film's D Podcast. We live. Yeah, I got yeah. Chris Clark, Citizen X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all already know. Joe Walters, AKJ Infinite. AKA J Infinite. True, true we facts. Here is rich on uh, the A mic, I guess, more or less. I would like to. Nah, I wouldn't consider myself the A mic. I'm like, it's 1A. I would give Chris two way, yeah. There's two way mics in here. Hmm. Chris sitting center, to my left and right across from me is Joe Walters. For anybody listening in on the podcast, not on the live stream, we are going live, uh, Facebook live right now. But in the future, we'll be recording every episode, posting it on Facebook on our Facebook page. You can follow us at Films D on Facebook as well as Twitter. We also have a website, uh, filmsd.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on things going on in the world of film and Films D. All right, now that I've done all of that hard work, mm-hmm. man, how was your week, Joe? Chris, Joe? Joe, Chris? My bad. All right. <laughs> Chris, how was your week, bro? Uh, It was good. Um, you know, I, I work with the cheering. Um, they was... They were unusually actually pretty good this week. It wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, I was still busy. I, I you know I just I just opened the show uh, this this past yet yeah, last night Friday. Um, What's the name of the show? It's called Writings on the Wall. Um, it's at the McCall Theater. Um, definitely, you should slide through. We had a, we had a pretty good crowd last night. Um, we actually had a, a person from the Chicago Reader. So yeah, y'all look out for that uh, that review coming out. Um, nice. Yeah, it was it was great, man. We I've been working really hard on that show, so you know we had a couple you know last rehearsals this week and everything, prepping for that. You know, making sure everything is good. Um, I had a I had a good week. It was just busy, like you know, I, you know I, I I like my new spot that I just got, but I don't get a chance to spend no time in there. It's like that for a while, man. Yeah. It's like that for a while, but it's there. True, true. <laughs> um, give me more about the show though. Like, uh, what, what? Give me a synopsis. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the show is is written by uh, Daphne Watson. Um, super talented, super super talented. Um, and then uh, Antoine McKay is the director. Um, so basically, it's about a young man named Julian um, Leon who uh, lost his best friend at a very young age, at eight years old. Um, and he's kind of been carrying that and walking around with that that pain uh for a long time and the nature of his family is they don't really talk too much about emotions or and you know show a whole lot of um i guess you could say physical 
care and things like that. And so while, you know, he wants that from them, he kind of needs that. Uh, in fact, the whole journey he goes on through this story is, is was really part of it was trying to get them to kind of just be his parents and, and go, you know, kind of validate his emotions and that and that loss. Um, and they really didn't do that. So then that leads to him um, contemplating suicide. Um, and that's kind of the, the nature of the show. I can't tell you what happens, obviously, but uh, if you come out and see it, uh, it's definitely something. It's it definitely talks about um, the importance of talking about um, things like loss and and just the trauma and, and things in our lives that uh, we carry on a regular basis with other people. And and even though you know, even if you can't necessarily talk to your parents, as long as you have someone to talk with. Um, that you know can kind of validate some of those those emotions and help you process them is really what's important. Yeah, that, I mean, I was just listening to uh, San Nicole on Instagram, uh, just giving her a shout out as I just um, signed on to be a producer to her latest short film, Training Wheels. Word. Yeah. Congrats, yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, I get in the PGA as an official producer. Um, True. One of these days, um, I just need some cosigns out there for anybody that is a part of PGA. Um, but I, uh, she said on her um, Instagram, she was talking about finally reaching her fundraising goal, and how she had to, you know, embrace her trauma. And your trauma really is the true um, core to your where your blessings lie. Mm. Um, they they make they they are essentially where your best creativity comes from um and that that is a lot of the um hard parts uh for a lot of people to lean into that trauma mm -hmm. um, because they feel as it is so painful that they can't they can't withstand it or survive it um True. and uh i mean we all have our own kind of traumas and honestly we could probably go into all of that on a different podcast right uh one of these days but uh maybe not even our own if somebody want to invite us on a podcast to discuss our personal story and we invite you here you know yeah. we can do a little uh crossover podcast crossover right right but uh no trauma um i mean and that's really what i'm dealing with myself creatively um is just being able to embrace that trauma um from past experiences and turning it into art um yeah I mean, like Kanye said, the pain made a pain be champagne. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, you got to celebrate it. But uh, yo, um, I mean to go all into this. No, no, it's yeah, no, no, no. That ain't everything. It, I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's real. That's that's what we that's what we do here, right? You know, yeah, we, we yeah, keep yeah. it real. 100. Absolutely. You know. Um, what I wanted to ask you though you're the lead in the production correct yeah yeah what would you say is your objective as the lead are you trying to commit suicide or is that your role or are you trying to pre prevent this person from committing suicide no so i i actually i play julian um okay. so i'm i'm the young man i'm i'm dealing with the trauma because she so basically his best friend she died in his arms at mm. eight um and that's a unfathomable fathomable thing to process um and it's really for him due to the nature of how he was raised and like who he is before she came around you have to understand like he was like 
probably like the outcast in class because he was so he's so like formal all the time he's kind of up, uptight and reserved and um she was kind of like his counterbalance of like a free spirit and like come on let's do this let's try that and he held her in such a high esteem and admiration that like when she was gone it was like he you know he felt like a piece of him got ripped out and because because he held her at such a high level it was like he held it to the point that she's what made him important or made him relevant like um because you know without giving away too much he like in one part he pretty much I, I pretty much talk about like how um i don't feel noteworthy versus com- in comparison to her um and it's because, like like I said, because of how reserved he is and everything like that. And she was, like, a real risk taker. And just, she got along with everybody. She was that that kind of person. Um, and he was, like, the complete counter opposite. So it, he, it's almost like this thing of he feels like of all the people this could happen to, why didn't it happen to me? Like, um, I'm not that important. I'm not really... I'm not as great a person as she is. So like like that's unfair. Like why wouldn't this happen the other way around? Um and I think that's one of the really awesome things about it because um over the course of it it's I think a, a one part of it is basically about like discovering your own significance because like you know we can hold people in such a high regard and esteem but we should never do it with um to the extent that we kind of um downgrade ourselves or like you know downplay our, ourselves like we aren't just as important or we don't have the capacity to be just as significant um it was it was a really like arduous and it still is arduous process like being this character because um even though I never like dealt with this sort of trauma um trying to like you know get in that mindset and mind state of understanding him, it it definitely forced me to like kind of pull up some trauma and things that I didn't realize that I was doing like on a daily basis, paying attention to like just little decisions and things that I, I make all the time without a second thought now kind of has me like very introspective and reflective about a lot of things like why I behave the way I do, why I make the decisions I make. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a great show. You should definitely come out and see it. Um, <laughs> it's it's real. Joe, That's all it, I can right? say. You saw it, right? Yeah, I saw it. You but, saw it yeah, on opening night. night last night. You yeah. sit next to the critics. Um, you had a pistol on your hip. No. <laughs> like I got this, no. just in case. Um, you got something to say. Where um, how, what days of the week? Uh, when is it open? Uh, so open Friday, but it runs Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, at the McCall Theater. Starts at eight o'clock, I believe, Friday and Saturday. Uh, but doors open at seven thirty. Um, Sunday, I believe, it starts at seven. Um, and for tickets, you can go to uh, McKayArts.net um, and order them, or you can just you can walk in the theater and get them. Um, they're twenty five bucks. Um, but if you're a student, they're fifteen. So uh, you know. If you have to, you know, go dust off your student ID, you might want to do that, even though I ain't say that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you ain't here for me. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's definitely a good show uh, for people to come out and see. 
um, because even though even though I am the lead, there's uh, a great like kind of subplot running parallel to mine with two other characters in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very very interesting. Like um, uh, played by Andrea and Hallie. I can't think of their last names, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but like they're super talented. Like. Um, like acting alongside with them has been great. Like I love watching their scene. Just mm-hmm. as you know, they're they're really great and they regularly like push me to like, okay, you got to bring it this next scene because every every time that scene comes up, it really catches you off guard because it's like it's supposed to be a sub plot or whatever, but like they carry it so well and living it so well that like it, it, it it's almost like that that punch you didn't see coming. Cause it, it, if anything, it, it kind of it gets you like just as much as you know my scene, my intense emotional scenes. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a beautifully written story. Um, Where can people get tickets at? Uh, McKayArts.net, or uh, you can go to the McCall Theater. It's uh, fourteen thirty nine West Jarvis Avenue, um, and get tickets there. Okay, all right. Well, you heard it here first. Um, brand new show. Uh, in Chicago, Chris Clark got his leading role. Is this your first? Yeah, it, it's my first time uh, being a lead. So nice, man. That's nice. That's what's up. I, I mean, I've, I think, yeah, I've been there. It's, it is a process, and you. What were you saying before we started the podcast? You felt like everybody was against you, <laughs> Dave Chappelle. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. So like. So in in the midst of my like you know my self reflection and introspectiveness that this character is brought on, um, I ca- I made a you know a realization about myself like a lot of the you you hear a lot of like artists and everything say you know they're their biggest critic, uh, and 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 really as artists that is the hardest thing is overcoming your own criticism and right. like need for perfection right um, and so like for a long time I've carried this thing and it of course like when I thought about it, I ain't gonna get super deep but like some point in my childhood uh because of something that happened i started thinking like whenever people gave me like compliments on stuff like especially performing wise did you know i do music too mm-hmm. i always had this like there's always like this voice in my head like they don't really mean that they're secretly laughing at you everyone's secretly against you it's a conspiracy they just want to see that and so like you know that that sounds a little crazy and i realized how crazy that sounded but like it was important for me to make that realization because, like, now I'm kind of, like, I'm kind of learning how to, like, push that out mm-hmm. and kind of ignore that and just and trust myself. Uh, and that was one of, like, the best pieces of advice yeah, uh, it, our director gave us, too, yesterday before, you know, before we went on stage, you don't trust yourself. Because this play was more about just the genuine emotion. He was like, I don't want to see anybody out there acting like I just I want the like that's that's what it's about is about the real genuine emotion because it's more about you know the the audience feeling it and and um the emotional impact behind it and un- coming to understand ourselves and each other uh better and on a deeper level. Yeah, man. I mean, I think for us all, it is important just to always embrace your truth and live it. You True. know, and and not get caught up in the idea that you know this i gotta put on a show or i gotta be a part of some process just if you part of the process is being in the moment i mean yeah so if you get caught up in thinking about where it's gonna go you're not gonna understand what it is yeah 
or or it or you got get caught up in the perception of what you think it's supposed to be and realize that you missed out on some opportunities when you reflect on it later true very um, true so yeah no nah, absolutely uh when i you know that was part of um me coming to terms with my first opportunity in a leading role in fact i wasn't even supposed to be in the lead but that's a different <laughs> story um but in and being in the leading position in that show it was it was just a matter of like letting go of what happened the night before letting go right. of all of my thoughts about whether or not i got the lines right mm -hmm. um i mean there were a lot of great moments that were like cherished as a result of not getting caught up in true what the director told me or getting caught up in what i think this is supposed to be like and so mm -hmm. and, and I, I get that because i literally had a moment like that yesterday um when i was going into another scene that i was waiting to go on like i like to compare everything to sports because i'm i'm a huge like especially basketball terry cruz does that a lot yeah now yeah he's an actor he compares it a lot to sports i, I rock with terry cruz real hard because i understand that and like you know i grew up I came I when I was growing up I came in at the end of the Jordan era. Uh -huh. Um but so for me like Jordan is the greatest hands down. Let me make that clear everybody, before. Everybody everybody wants to be like mine. <laughs> let me let me let me you know preface this by saying that just so there's no confusion. Um but I definitely I'm definitely more grew up in the era of Kobe Bryant. And so he was he was a a player that I watched as I you know in my formative years that I really admired. And um, I remember one of his interviews, and, and I had to think of it like this, was he was talking about the hardest part of the game is the mental side of not, like you said, not carrying what happened the night before or in the last game into the new game. That every every time, you know, he steps on the court, it's, you know, it's the reset button. It's a new start. And so I had to think like that, you know, last night and not get too, like, critical of myself, like, I should have done this. That was good, but I could have did. And it was like, nope, nope. You gotta, you gotta. It's it's this the new this the hey, this the fourth quarter time yeah. to go in and you know. No nah, man, I love Kobe, and this is your second time talking Kobe, man. You talked about him in the first podcast, but Kobe is like the i the essence of a lot of great motivation. Oh yeah, he, uh, especially he for our generation. Yeah, I mean the younger generation got LeBron James, which is he's motivation in his own right. True. Um, but yeah, what you're saying about Kobe is just like you know being able to. Uh, what's that? Uh, you, it's just being able to stop focusing on, uh, where you are and where yeah. you've been. Mm -hmm. And if you stop doing that, you able to really transcend your circumstances. True. So, uh, we dropping not a lot of knowledge. Exactly. Right now, but that's what, that's what theater does to you. It, I mean, you, you performing at a proscenium stage like you at church. Um, so yeah, it's like that sometimes, but we 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 ain't here to go to church on you, uh, but we we here to talk to these films. You ready, Joe? Uh, right, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the bright? We talking bright? Bright. The the new the new Will Smith, the Will Smith joint on Netflix. What else? Uh, it is it Joel Egerton? Who's the, who's the co-star? The orc. Yeah, the orc. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. I oh, saw okay. it. So that makes so you saw it. Yeah, we've all seen it, man. Yeah, that's why we talking about it. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> we've all seen. We all on the same page, bro. We all on the same. But honestly, is it me or does it just feel like this is like the fairy tale version of Bad Boys? <laughs> it feels like. I mean, it feels like, like a, that, but a little mixed with All Lives Matter and Lord of the Rings. 
It it I like it was a moment in there where I thought they were trying to make this all lives matter, and I I got a little mad. I like, mean, you see it at several points. I mean, and Will Smith literally says at the beginning, uh, "Fairy lives don't matter today." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I know it's you know it has to be you know it's like a little, making parallels to you know the LAPD and you know all of the you know the uh, beyond questionable. But maybe uh, those were just things to be socially relevant, not necessarily things that even like if if the Let's say if there was a different social movement going on at the time that was just as like relevant, you want to attach it. You would want to attach your art to it in some form. I'm just being. I'm honestly just trying to be devil's advocate right now, right? Okay. So um, if that's the case, like, wouldn't you jump on that wave or whatever it was? Like you, artistically, I'm sure somebody's gonna jump on the me too. You don't know how to, yeah. <laughs> let me he let me look like let me circle back. I'm trying to one. I'm trying to how can I say this gently? <laughs> yeah, let me circle back to that one. Um I I think it's kinda my my issue is I don't feel like Will Smith does any movie just like is arbitrary for him. I don't think that's that's the issue. Like I don't think it's a he knew, like when he when he read the script, I feel like he knew, like okay, it was drawing these kind of parallels, mm-hmm. and he still kind of did it, um, cause I don't know whether whether he really believes that mm-hmm. or like he's trying to, you know, like you said, kind of become more contemporarily relevant again. Yeah, I mean, and that's something I took away from it too, which was where I got the whole idea of like, hmm, is this like Bad Boys? Or like his his way of wanting to revisit what was his good old days exactly true in a new format. I, I you know what like now that I think about it, it, I definitely did. It was a few moments in there where I definitely like I felt like I was watching Bad Boys, the fairy tale Bad Boys, like you said. Um, but one one thing one thing I can say is, um, it was it was a little interesting to see just because. Since he's gotten older, he's never played like that kind of like old grizzled, like just you know mean ass, uh, jaded. Oh, right, jaded older character before, which was I mean it wasn't a super super difference from stuff he's done before, well, but it was uh, it was he just was jaded. You seen Collateral Beauty, right? You seen Collateral Beauty? I no. did. Okay, I, I, you you didn't think he was jaded in it? I think it, it was different because of the context of it. Like, if you, I mean, losing a child, that's like, I can understand somebody being jaded and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was because of uh, his filmography of have of being in, being in Bad Boys because he was very very different. He was a different kind of character in Bad Boys. Wouldn't he have like at this age? Let's say they really were going to do Bad Boys three, which they're not because right now Gabrielle Union is doing a spinoff. Uh, for television at NBC. Really? Yeah. But um, if they were, and he was older, I kind of feel like he would be a bit jaded to some degree. You It, it depends on the writer, like, because... Um, at least how, Martin's character was jaded. Uh, yeah, yeah. Martin, I was going to say, Martin's character, I feel like, but would be they, that one. And he was like that in the first one. Martin? Yeah. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have two characters, to, you know, characters be jaded. Both jaded and yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> kind of one note, yeah. That was, yeah, they they need the, the balance. Yeah, Martin was always the jaded one, and Will was like the, the, the fun-loving, mm-hmm. kind of like goofy 
character. I wonder if he'll be on that show with Gabrielle Union since they were siblings. No, they weren't siblings. Gabrielle, yeah, they were. Yeah, they, yeah. they were. She was his little sister. She was Martin's little sister. No, that's, yeah, that's what, what I'm what saying. Mean. Oh, okay. If no. Martin to be on the TV show, we need Martin back on these. Man, I miss Martin, airways, man. man. I'm saying. You know, you got everybody out here doing podcasts, paying homage to what Martin started on his TV show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and they, that was hey, that was one of the best shows of the '90s, man. It was, hands down. Man. Hell yeah. Well, you know, uh, Living Singles now on Hulu. I mean, uh, headways. That will definitely lead to Martin because yeah. I, I I've never bought the DVDs. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to. It they, was hard to find for a while. And then when it, you could find them, it was expensive as fuck. Well. Oh, yeah. They need to put the whole, like, the, the, UPN, Fox yes, exactly. lineup on something. <laughs> Martin, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I mean, that, but then again, that's what TV One is kind of for. Yeah. Yeah. So. True, true. Who owns TV One? I don't even know. I think it's I just Black Owned. Let me take that back. Or maybe Viacom bought them. Probably. Um, anyhow, so we talked about bright in terms of just our overall perspectives of it um i i i think you want to touch on other aspects joe like cinematography editing music um i mean uh, from a visual perspective uh i thought it it kind of reminded me almost like a tv show kind of like it could have been um it, it kind of reminded me over a tv show than a a movie if that makes sense I yeah don't know, i can't yeah no it it's, seemed it's, like i was waiting for a commercial or something to happen like right it, it it has some bumps it has some moments that could have been like bumpers for you to take a break come back like that whole scene uh sequence where they were running from the mexicans and then they were running from the orcs mm. and then they was running from some other orc gang mm. like all of that was yeah. Seemed like it could have been a sequence that was just in a TV show. Although, I mean, I don't mean it as a slight. I just no. Just it, 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 I mean, yeah. I don't know what that guy's the director and writer's background is, but uh, David mean, Ayer. Yeah. Yeah, he did um, in a watch. He did. Um, uh, let that me just say, explains a lot. Then I, this show is basically yeah. into watch, but, yeah. but with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just rewrote into watch. Hey, <laughs> hey, for the record, man. Hey, in the watch was. Oh, he also movie. did Suicide Squad. That's right. That's right. Oh, he's he did another joint, um, a war joint, okay. um, with Brad you Pitt, should, I think. You should know, you should uh, mention the one for Netflix. Or? No, no, no. It was a, a film, film. Like uh, I watched it. I, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Damn it. Um. Mm, uh, but uh, yeah. So bright. Um, bright was. What would we rate that? Like in terms of like, let's let's give five out of. Oh, oh, on a scale of one to five? One to five popcorn boxes. I mean, we talking uh, Vintners or are we talking about... What? You going into the he like what brand of popcorn? You talking about popcorn brand? Is this Orville Redenbacher? Right, or you know, movie theater? Movie theater popcorn. Movie theater. Apple emoji. What is it? Emoji popcorn. Fake popcorn. Whatever popcorn. Cancer popcorn. I don't care. What? Actually, popcorn that you make in the microwave, the bag lining is uh, cancerous. cancerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, sucks, man. I love I love microwave popcorn. This message is brought to you by the public health department. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, Any popcorn, man? Five out of what? Um, One out of what? Me, me personally. uh, 
out of five, I want to say, I want to say like three, three, three point five, maybe, may, and that's stretching it. Only because from, and that's that's from I guess entertainment value. Mm-hmm. That's not taking into account the you know, the the troublesome possibly uh, possible uh, allegory they're they're getting at with the uh, all lives matter or blue lives matter and all of that other foolishness. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, like I found it entertaining. Um, so it really, it really kind of depends. Yep. It was it was entertaining to watch. I would I would say it was it was entertaining. Um, I think it left me with a lot of questions in terms of the story. Like you know, yeah. Um, who is this? You know, who is this antagonist? This looming antagonist that they you know were alluding to this dark lord. Like they didn't show this person. Yeah. Um, and I know that you know. Yeah. They don't, you know. It's not always good to lay out all your cards out, you know. And, yeah, they and had already sitting. They, and he, I feel like that was the perfect movie. If you were to like create a model for a movie where you wanted to always have a sequel, you mm-hmm. know how they tried with Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. He was like, I already, I wrote it so it could be a sequel. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you, killed, <laughs> you yeah. killed off one of your biggest villains. Or like, yeah. <laughs> like you, you can't. Who do they have to Poor fight Reed now? Blade. Like. Now, right. what's interesting but, uh, is with well, this, yeah, hold they, on, hold they on. did. So it. the the guy Max Landis who wrote um, this movie is the son of John Landis, the famous filmmaker that did uh, Thriller. Um, he co-wrote Thriller music video. Uh, yeah, he co- uh, Max Landis co-wrote Chronicle with Josh Trank, who directed really um, Fantastic Four. Chronicle is like mm. I was, that's that's why I was I was so mad at Fantastic Four because Chronicle was so good. Yeah, but he basically tried to turn Fantastic Four into Chronicle. Oh yeah, it's yeah. the same. It did. It didn't work. It didn't. Yeah. Work. Like I had such high it, hopes. Fantastic Four is more of a lighthearted, you know. Yeah. IP. That's the best way I can say it. it it's yeah. not meant to be dark and brooding. So yeah, and that's what we got you here for, man. You, I didn't know that about. All of those connections with the guy, uh, the son, him being the son of the director, the director, writer, of thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, that's interesting. Joe with the facts. Facts, 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 facts. Soundbite right there. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, yo, uh, what else we got? We got she got to have it. Is that that? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to feel like this shit is mechanical and shit. We have no segues today, but exactly, yeah. Uh, we had mad technical difficulties setting everything up today because we have a guest, in fact, for our conversation on the subject of she's got to have it because it's just three guys here. We don't want to be on the motherfucking podcast talking all this shit about oh yeah a, a series that's you know uh, lead is a female and not have a female's perspective right. And so I I put in a couple calls. Um, well, Facebook messages <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, got, uh, one of my homegirls, uh, Ife, uh, Hey, what up Ife? So hey, we got you here on the podcast. Uh, we are in fact recording now. So, uh, just oh. introduction, uh, again, um, my guest, uh, our guest rather, is uh, Ife Alotunji. I got it right, I think. Yeah, great job. Uh-huh. Hi, it's me. 
respect. Thank you uh, for uh, you know setting aside your uh, morning in L.A. to uh, chat with us today about uh, she's got to have it. Um, I sent you a couple questions uh, ahead of time on things that about the just things to think about with the movie. But before we get into that, I kind of want you to introduce yourself just so people and we kind of know you a bit more. Hi. Um, okay. So yes, <laughs> I am in LA. Um, I'm Ife. For those of you guys who don't know me, I'm a documentary filmmaker, uh, visual anthropologist, um, film critic, and um, distributor. I distribute commercial film and TV here in LA. Um, but I also do independent film through a film festival in Chicago called Collective Voices. So I love movies and, um, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> I love that you call yourself a film anthropologist. That shit is dope. Yeah, I dope. was like, damn. <laughs> that if shit there's, is dope. you know, there's a lot to it. Yeah. I mean that that's the whole documentary aspect of it too. I I would say, is that correct? Um. Well, I like to make documentaries as well as you know a teach documentary. So there's a lot of history and uh, film theory that goes into that. Yeah. So you study film? I do. I do. I study film. Or, I mean, I have. You know, I spent a few years in school for sure studying film. Yeah. Uh, when did you decide you love film? Uh, for me, it was kind of inherent. My father is a filmmaker. Uh, he went to UCLA in the 70s um, in the, uh, the L.A. Rebellion group. So my father has been um, my biggest inspiration, certainly, exposing me to film pretty much from birth. And uh, I he used to use our house as sets. And I had an editing bay in our house when I was a kid in the basement that I used to like, like a flatbed, like a traditional flatbed, where I used to like splice film and tape it together and wow. run it through the mm. projector. So I used to always be around film, photography, and art, and I just really was always fascinated by it. That is amazing. That is. You are incredible. <laughs> oh, um, <thank> you. <laughs> so, like, well, as I didn't have anything to do with it. I just showed up, you know. <laughs> so no. like when did you dis like this so since you were a child you loved film like well mm -hmm. as a filmmaker I i'm sure you have an objective when do you know you've been successful with that objective and that's gonna segue me into she gotta have it okay well you know it's funny though because i i didn't i always loved film but i didn't really get into film until uh college i guess you know and it so it kind of happened on its own also it's like serendipitously i just started to like film things so um you know for me like I, to know my my goal is always to make stories that are reflective of just real life experiences i really want to give people an unfiltered look at a different point of view, a different lifestyle, different perspective. And I think it's really important that um, that we have space or places to get those messages out there. So I'm just, my objective is, you know, to, to get those type of individual messages um, that are more diverse or, you know, that are, you know, um, marginalized perspectives out there. And to, to, you know, it's hard to say when you reach your goal uh, in filmmaking, but I think, I think for a lot of filmmakers, it's about the audience, 
you know, and if you have audience that kind of can engage with it, maybe not like a huge audience, that's not maybe not always the best measure, but an audience that can engage with your work, that appreciates your work, or that can critique your work even, um, you know, because that takes thought as well. So, yeah, I think it's really about just getting it out there and being able to have um, people interact with it and, and talk with you about it. And, and then that always felt like success to me. <laughs> Well, that that's that's a great segue because we're going to talk about someone's films. Uh, you seen mm-hmm. she's got to have it all the way through, right? Yeah, About she's got to have it. It was great. You seen the original movie too? I have, although admittedly, I didn't like go back and watch it again. But yeah, so it's been either. a while since nah, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, I would have to like find it somewhere yeah. and hey. download it in public. Hey, Just, wait, 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 wait! Get, get this. I, I got I... the original VHS tape at the <laughs> oh. <laughs> in my grandma's house. <laughs> so, oh, okay. I we got the go to grandma's VH... house to watch because yeah. I ain't got no VHS players. So. <laughs> That's what's up. I mean, I think they just put it back on Netflix. I think they put it on Netflix also. Oh, they put the original. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, to well, go along with the, huh. the the series. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna have to double back and watch that. I'll be honest and admit I've only watched half of the season, and she's gotta have it. So um, mm-hmm. I don't care if you give me spoilers, um, but I'm just going to say right now, uh, spoiler alert for anybody listening. Uh, yeah, whatever the time sure. Is we'll make a note of it. Uh, but yeah, um, so what'd you think of Spike Lee's, you know, the film, your perspective, and then I'll open it up for debate. Um, the film, um, well, first and foremost, you know, the film is, uh, a classic cinema and definitely, um, definitely, uh, a reflection of some of Spike Lee's best and most creative work, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I think given the time that it came out, you know, it was definitely something that hadn't been explored. And, you know, the way he chose to do it again at the time that it came out with the black and white, you know, that was uh, attention grabbing. So I definitely think of it as one of one of his best works, um, even though it's you can kind of tell from now looking at it, you can kind of tell, you know, it was one of his originals, you know, it's very simple in, in some ways. So, hmm. yeah. I do see the simplicity in it, and mm-hmm. I in parts of it we were talking about it in, uh, in our kind of pre-production meeting, and um, how like there's the moments where he has the uh, the uh, slide the cut to the like actual cover art for a song that's played. Mm-hmm. Um, True. And we were talking about well, from my perspective, I was like maybe he's doing that for a particular audience that's not cultured. To you know the classics, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> then we got, and then the, the conversation kind of broadened to the fact that you no, know, he wants to make it timeless so that anybody that watches this can understand what the music is in reference to the uh, film. Yeah, because not everyone that has watched the movie, you know, now some people may not have be familiar with those tracks. They might not have been old enough or just mm-hmm. not attuned to the genre. And I know. think that that's innovative in and of itself on Spike's mm-hmm. beha- like behalf or, cre- you know, his creativity uh, took him to a place where I don't know any film to actually have gone where they let you know, like, this is the song and this is the art. And right. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah. musician that made it. No, like, that's you, definitely a You got to hit up Shazam and shit if you want to. Yeah. He put his own Shazam Well, in. that's the thing, right? It's a, he was ahead of his time in that regard, too, because I was going to say, I mean, now you watch MTV and they will put that on there. You know, right, it's not true. quite as, again, as blatant as 
as his method, but it's kind of the same idea. And he definitely, I agree. I definitely think that he was trying to show that the songs themselves had meaning. Yeah. Right. That right. they weren't just music in the background. Right. That right. That they were implicit in in the storytelling, and that they were also, you know, um, setting the mood. They were consciously setting the mood for the viewer. They weren't manipulating you. They were trying to give you a love song or a memory right. song or, you know, the 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 Hathaway. You know, they were giving you that music to get you into a feeling and a time and a period and and a, and a certain sort of consciousness about. Um, the storytelling, and I think that's what they do in this series as, as well. That's one of the things I do like. I still like that break with convention, that little interlude with the music, um, a kind of trip, a kind of trip down memory lane of all of your parents' music. <laughs> mm. You know, I admittedly, mean, yeah, some of it, and some of it is mm-hmm. music that is classic to me. I, you, know, you got Maxwell's yeah, Black man. Summer's Night, Bruh. yeah. 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 I was sitting there like these it. the jams, boy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah, I, pre- I appreciated now, that. You know, that was a breakup song for me. Hey, no, that, I, I appreciate it because, like you said, like uh, to the to the I guess the the new generation coming up behind is like I don't feel like they would be familiar with a lot of those songs. No, and it's like they, yeah, they need that. They need to know who this is. That's that's a yes. That's a jam. Like yeah. Um, what? Did, I mean, Joe, you're a music man. I mean, you love the music, right? Yeah, <laughs> you like the yeah. music selection? Yeah, I do. Right. I did like the uh, jazz um, right. pieces that they, you know, I like the intro um, that played on every, um, you know, episode. I thought that was a really nice piece. I'm actually trying to learn it. <laughs> oh, do that. Okay. That's that point, but yeah, yeah. No, point. do that, man. That's yeah. that's your thing. Uh, hold on, but you just admit it. You don't skip the intro. Uh, <laughs> not for this one. You watch the intro to. I like the music. You like the music. Hey, hey, you do that. Real? What you? Hold on. Okay, I did, so I did that for uh, Defenders Jessica too. Jones and, and Defenders, yeah. And uh, I, Luke Cage. Luke Cage, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of those. That shit was if tight. The music is dope. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really pay attention to it in the first episode, and I've just become naturally like inclined to hit skip. So <laughs> I, I mean, no, now I that I got five more episodes to go through, I'll, I'll listen to it. True. Uh, yeah. Um, or just listen to your arrangement of it when you, when you, this you, is true. you work the finesse. I'm telling you. When you get them fingers twinkling. I'm telling y'all ain't, y'all Manny ain't, Fresh type of shit. Y'all, y'all ain't ready for this, for this J Infinite remake, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, I do have to say, um, regarding She's Gotta Have It, the, uh, from the production standpoint, the paintings that, you know, that were throughout mm-hmm. the series were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That artwork was incredible. Yeah, it was on point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't knock her hustle. um now speaking speaking from the characters uh standpoint just as a female i i i guess i don't i don't (laughs) understand why she didn't go to get therapy why she didn't go to get therapy about what (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say uh i think was that so traumatic that she needed therapy no it okay i'm gonna let her answer let me shut up oh oh (laughs) So you're saying from uh, from her assault, but they they. So I I think that, her I think slight that whole, her yeah her close encounter. Yeah. So I okay. So I think what we have in this situation because I've really thought about this a lot. I think we just have uh, a pretty bad sort of cover up. You know, it's a pretty bad band aid. He mm. didn't want to deal with rape the way that he dealt with it in the first film, right? Mm. And in the first and in the film, he leaves the rape 
we're the rape is kind of at the end, so we're left open ended with it. We're left with the scar of it at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. And I think what he wanted mm -hmm. to do differently in the series was give us a way to heal from the scar. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it wasn't worth reopening that scar, right? In the in the ultimate scheme mm -hmm. of the storytelling. So I think they tried to go with something less violent but that they could use as the impetus, right? Because you can never really question how someone's really affected by something. Mm. Well, you know, whether it be just somebody mm. grabbing your ass or someone literally thrusting themselves on you, right? The right. trauma that one might really feel could just just, just as well be real. Right. So I think what they do is, on a, on a very mm. sort of academic, you know, level, is they say every assault is, is violent, right? Mm. And so who are we as you know we come into the situation as an audience saying that even something that was so small look at how it impacted her right, right? look at how it motivated her look at how many people she then encountered and dealt with and interacted with differently look at how it impacted her relationships so i think it becomes more about how even something so small can have such a large impact that's interesting we started the podcast off talking about trauma and, yeah uh yeah i mean not rape necessarily mm -hmm. but um, everybody has their own sort of trauma in life that you you carry around. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it can be heavy. It can be small, depending on your perspective of it all. Or anybody mm -hmm. from the outside looking in, they may you know not completely right. relate to it. They may not understand the the value or the impact, mm -hmm. the the uh, level of how much pain it caused you. Um, right. Right. I mean, so to answer your previous question, you know, maybe she goes in season two. I don't know. <laughs> she, you know, she was, seems like she was working through it, which I think is, is more so the natural response. And working you know, through very, it creatively, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her art got dope. Right. I mean, we all need therapy, right? Yeah. Like, we're all underutilizing therapy. So, right. so she wouldn't be the first one to self, you know, correct. <laughs> I want this podcast to be therapy. I mean, right. <laughs> true. Uh, but yeah, nah. Um, she, uh, so <clears throat> I guess I, I didn't realize this until I said it out loud. Her art does mm -hmm. get more like it creatively. Does. She gets better. I, yeah. And that, yes. Yes. I mean, yes. And that portrait, I think the portrait is indicative of that. Right. So the portrait starts off with her just painting herself. She's kind. She's trying to realize herself, who she is, what she's about. Mm -hmm. Then this trauma happens and she really loses herself. Right. She loses her shit the whole way through with all these guys. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. she takes herself out of that portrait. Then there's like, well, what do I put behind this? You know, what is in that space? So I think, um, and I think the final version of the portrait that they kind of end the series on, um, you know, spoiler alerts, <laughs> is is absolutely amazing, and um, and it's her process that makes it profound for mm. us as a right. viewer. So yeah, I think um, I definitely think her art gets doper. Those billboards, those like plaster boards, mm. I mean, that was a fucking dope idea. Everybody I know was like, why didn't I think? Yeah. Why, mm -hmm. why, yeah. Why didn't I go out of New York and start posting that shit? Like, oh man. So you know that was that was really great. And then whoever, as a director, again credit to Spike Lee because whoever helped design the art and the artist that um, that was the actual painter or you know illustrator, amazing. You yeah. know that what great direction, what great creativity, what a great concept. You know what what real insight into art as well. 
um, and to Black Art, and even that montage with Malcolm X. Oh my God, I yeah. love that montage too. Which I think uh, we just kind of see that as her inspiration. All these pieces, like all these bits of like Black history in in Brooklyn and New York, you know, it's kind of her inspiration for her art. Um, I just love it. It's just like the art is just dope and really beautiful throughout the throughout the whole series. It's definitely the highlight to me. Besides the sex, I guess. <laughs> yeah was that yeah. for the women was that for women <laughs> yeah um, because i mean woman. was that was that spike lee taking everything that's been going on in power to another level well i mean the theory, i mean the film is about sex you know at its yes. core yes and i think uh to to not include that in the series would be a disservice right so right. he definitely had to give her agency physically too you know, it couldn't Absolutely. just be this, you know, and yeah. um, and 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 then I think I think we get that sort of dichotomy against this, you know, seemingly insignificant, violent act of sexual aggression versus her like outright search for all sorts of physical pleasure. Mm. I think um, it thinks it sets up a paradox that maybe is just like really reflective of real life. I mean, that's just how life is, isn't it? It's just like. Like damn, I like when people touch my ass, but no, and I don't want them to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that, yeah, that, that's hilarious. On her, she I've wants heard, it on I've her terms. Right? Yeah, yeah. no, I've, I've heard that before. I was like, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. I, I get that. Right? You know, it's not nothing wrong rubbing some booty sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no true. Doubt. True. <laughs> um. So, with this being Spike Lee's first, is this Spike Lee's first entry into television? Uh, well, I guess some people considered um, when the levees broke a television series. Oh, yeah, the documentary series. Mm. Yeah, and um, I mean, he did commercial work, so he's yeah, been on. Yeah. You know, yeah, he did Nike commercials Michael for a while. Yeah, yeah, so. I mean, he's been in a lot of cameos on stuff. You know, he's been an actor, so I think he's, he's he has a background in TV for sure. Yeah. Would it be safe to say this is his first foray into drama, dramatic drama series? Like actually directing a series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I think that I think that may be true. Okay. Um, but he, right, he's directed other people's stuff before, but maybe not like produced, directed, written like his own right, series. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, cause I think he directed an episode, not of the wire, but some, there was a series. Um, so the acting, um, mm -hmm. oh. and the characters, like, I, I guess I'm looking at the series from a male's perspective or just at least my, uh, collegiate perspective of like, I went, I took a class called, um. Uh, the history of uh, Greek goddesses and mythology, uh, Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, we focused more so on the goddesses, of course. And, but I did see, a, I realized that Spike Lee, his male archetypes, and one of his, one of the characters even acknowledges that he's an Adonis. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of yeah. Spike, yeah. a lot of, I never realized this, but a lot of his character archetypes are rooted in Greek mythology, not so much what we now know is like tropes and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So 
Like, did you make any notice of that while watching it, or? Ooh, you, that's do you, are those type of men? Have you ever you encountered those type of men, or 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 <laughs> was he really tapping yeah. into like this whole Greek mythology? Man, you're yeah. First of all, wow, love it. That's so much to say about that. Um, so let me let me start off with the guys and the architect. I I found that really interesting. Um, I do think the men are archetypes. And um, I, there's definitely some sort of mysticism in, involved. I mean, um, uh, Nola is very magical to some extent, right? You know, um, and, and she definitely has a total goddess vibe. So, you know, it seems that she's attracted to three very... They are. They are kind of like the... the, the, the the archetype of whatever group that might be, right? Like, wh or what do you say? Uh, the prototype. Those yeah. are the prototypes, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they do have an air of all, all three of them have an air about themselves as though they are the man, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but right. they don't strike me as alpha, which is something I find also really interesting because they all mm -hmm. seem to be very willing to let Nola lead the relationships, mm -hmm. um, even though they are very machismo too right they're very masculine they're all very macho yeah um i think of uh what's his name what's the little the little skinny one with the glasses i always think of him as like spike lee Mars. yeah yeah he, he was yeah, yeah spike lee he was yeah you know he so he's, he's very complex and i think that's definitely a spike lee character you know that's representative of spike lee because i'm like who else would make this dude like where did this guy come from like i've never met a person like this <laughs> like, <laughs> and, you know like it's just so spike lee it's so new york um but the business tycoon, yes, for sure. There's definitely a lot of men like that. Um, but, you know, we come to empathize with him, too, because we're like, damn, you know, he's kind of got this bad marriage. Like, damn, sucks for him. Um, mm. and, uh, and, then the, and then the Adonis, the motto. Again, you know, I do know people like that. They're not my favorite kind of people. <laughs> like, I, like, like my, my, I, I have no problem with all sorts my man simply cannot have better hair than me like no I've got a <laughs> relationship so you know he's not my type but I definitely know guys like that you know or to some level I think when he started folding the clothes that's just like the most classic trope like if, if a guy ever starts folding his clothes when we're like getting naked I just I gotta put my clothes on and leave like it's over like, <laughs> you don't have any yeah I, I won't lie that, that killed me I was like, like Really, bro? You have no passion. You are not Bruh. spontaneous at all. I can't. So, <laughs> like, phone so, right now. Wow. Right. So, yeah, those are very interesting guys. But yeah, I think they 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 all kind of reflect the facet of Nola, also, right? Like, they're they they have some sort of. She's a very business minded woman. You know, she was beautiful and she was intrigued by beauty. She kept beauty around her, and, and she was down to earth. You know, yeah. she was good. She was fearless. She was brave. And I think the men reflect all of those aspects of her as well. Mm. Yeah, she even said that, uh, I believe, to the therapist that she ends up talking to at one point. She's like, they all, you know, kind of fulfill a different part of her. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, so I feel that, you know. So, I mean, you know, Nola's character is definitely, like, she's definitely me. Like, I, I feel that. <laughs> 
But <laughs> I've been calling myself polyamorous for like decades. Like ever since I learned about it, like anthropology one on one. I'm like, oh, that's what I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I won't. I won't lie. I'm. I'm new to like. I'm still fairly fairly new to that whole idea and term. Like I didn't. I don't think I got on uh, a full <laughs> understanding of that to like last year when I started acting and you know I had new actor friends and I'm like polyamorous like and they explained that to me I'm like so you not playing nobody but you got multiple like because right. I, I was like I like so no one's a side chick is basically like because they all know about each other it's like understood they're like yeah that's right. that's the way you can say it I'm like I'm just I'm sorry like maybe I'm like Tell me if I'm being like too hood and simple minded when I say I'm like No, no, that's that's I mean, I definitely yep, you know, if you if you gotta take it to the hood doctor, yeah, that's what it is. Um, and again, to kind of, you know, bring it back to the series, when you talk about, you know, whether or not Malcolm X oh Malcolm X <laughs> uh Spike that Lee. uh whether or not Spike Lee was was successful, I mean, I definitely think he introduced this a long time ago. But for him to just update it and modernize it and reintroduce it again is is very very he's he's successful at that you know he reached a lot of people he exposed a lot more to people about just another way to be also um, because two things you know as an anthropologist the way people mate and procreate tend to be more about necessity than anything mm. um, but what we find is in in humanity is that necessity creates multiple ways to have a family. The idea that a nuclear family or that one woman and man and a child create one family is is, is only uh, an image that we've taken and we've replicated and perpetuated, right? That's not the reality across thousands of years of humanity. People have lived in very different types of family structures, right, For, across humanity. So the thing about being polyamorous in this day and age as a black woman is it's a matter of necessity. <laughs> you can't always... There isn't enough, there isn't always perhaps enough uh, black men, if that's your preference, uh, for one individual. Uh, you could also argue that um, emotionally, socially, culturally, economically, that we need more than one person. Um, you could argue, you know, uh, definitely financially, I mean. <laughs> you it's hard times, if you hard times. Anywhere, you better have two or three Z daddies, okay? So you definitely gotta, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that is, I think, more common perhaps amongst black women right now than maybe it was in the 80s. And the reality is that it's still a taboo. So for black women, you a hoe, you a slut, you a trick, you a whatever, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's still the common idea. If you got a different dude or you got a different dude, you're, you're, you're just a slut. Um, but the reality is, is that, um, a lot of people just don't make full on commitments. And a lot of y'all just out here, uh, <laughs> acting like the queen of Sheba. <laughs> I mean, not even, I, uh -uh. I, I, I don't mean I'm, that in a bad way. I'm speaking objectively. Okay. I'm, I'm making, no, I'm no talking judgment. on it. I'm just, I'm going back to our whole little, you know, uh, anthology, you know, the, uh, oh, I, I thought you, I thought you was making, making it. Nah, I thought I thought she was like doing a call back to that last podcast about that America. was kind of a that call like to the last that podcast that too, man. like yeah. you don't understand <laughs> man like I was like have you I'm seen not... uh, American Gods? Oh. No, I haven't. Okay, no. yeah, there's a, a 
there's a scene where the queen well it, the background is that there's new gods and old gods and they're warring basically and one of the old gods is the queen of sheba and like modern uh, times and like it's that's very it, graphic exactly uh, I, I was you, like, you I'm talk not, about sex scenes this is I a sex not. scene that will turn all kind of men off Man, I was like, I'm not fucking around no more. To any I'm, woman I'm out here trying to be the queen of Sheba, I'm not. I'm not finna be reckless out in these streets ever again. No, yeah, I'm never, never be reckless ever again. No, like, I never thought about uh, polyamorous being something that is just a ne- born out of necessity. Um, mm-hmm. I more so thought it was something born out of greed. No. Yeah, I mean selfishness, <laughs> selfishness. selfishness. <laughs> um, yeah, but I can understand I can, where you're coming yeah. from. In fact, this week's episode of Sesame Street was about family. What? <laughs> <laughs> I took it there. <laughs> so, so let me get. Okay. So you saying? Hey, that. no, not like <laughs> one of the families on the here. show ain't the nucleus family, and that was kind right. of the lesson. Uh, right. They they uh, kind of introduced that slightly, you know, by uh, uh, one of the characters, Abby Cadabby. Her uh, dad, her mom got remarried to another Muppet and like she got a stepbrother and a stepdad and she was just acknowledging the fact that like, you know, families, family is a family. It just ain't always going to be the same, you know, makeup of what you expect a family to be. True. She got two families. Right. So, um, I mean, in this, in this really born out of necessity for the fact that, you know, you have a child and now you want to be able to have a healthy home. Uh, you still want to be able to have a relationship and have someone that loves you for who you are. Um, right, right, right. And, and would you say Nola's greedy though? Do you think that? No. Um, I, like I said, talking about Sesame street. No, we talking about like, no, um, No, like, no. I had a, I had a friend make a comment a while back about like similar to that about um, people like that that you know are are bisexual. He's like they just greedy man. He's like they can't choose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I I don't know about that. But all right, if that's your argument, mm-hmm. um, my my thing is, um, I don't know. And maybe and maybe it's because I I, I do I'm I'm looking through the lens. It's, you know, I was raised in a you know traditional household as far Mm -hmm. as like morals and principles um um so like it's i don't know like it's it's difficult for me to to like come to a full understanding even though i like i definitely do want want a full understanding of it um i just well you know let me say like this me personally i don't know how people do it because that was like I've never been the 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 player type anyway, because I always like admittedly say I was like that just takes too much mental uh, capacity for me. Like I have a hard enough time with one woman and remembering birthdays and anniversaries. I'm like I can't do that with multiple people. I just can't. I don't have enough. I don't have enough room in my brain for all of that to like my because like I'm literally and I'm a thinker, so like I'm thinking like 98% of the time but that's not what's on my mind so I'm like I can't I can't do that with with, with three or four no no like in theory an idea yeah that, that sounds great but so in application organization is difficult for you is that, is that what you're saying it's, it's difficult multitasking for you is not as forte uh, <laughs> like okay to be hey, honest people say man, it's hard for men but I don't know that to be true but no look, the thing is is like <laughs> for one, just for the record, multitasking has been psychologically proven does not exist. It's just certain people are better at compartmentalizing and switching 
uh, t- mm-hmm. to focus on different things at different times better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good at that. Huh? And and like, <laughs> yeah, I I'm not the best multitasker. I'll I'll admit that I'm old enough. Like I figured I'm like I'm not the best multi. I'm I'm getting there. I'm slowly getting there. Get but there. <laughs> <laughs> right out of out of necessity. Involved for you. I understand exactly out of necessity. Out of you necessity. Know what? I, I was just gonna say. Um, you know what? Maybe season two will explore monogamy. You know, because there's <laughs> there's necessity for monogamy also. You know, don't that, don't yeah. let me get to say nobody should be single. You know, should be committed. True. <laughs> so there's yeah. a lot of value in being committed and knowing one person deeply. Certainly, definitely. Yeah, but <laughs> and, and so like my thing is, and maybe and maybe I'm, let me know if I'm coming at this from the wrong perspective. Is like if there's like for obviously not for all people. If there's this thing of everyone you know wants to get married and things like that like does that i'm trying to figure out like (laughs) (laughs) obviously there's not an off button but like does Mm -hmm. does that hinder or help you when you when you get to that point that you want to have a deep relationship with just one person because especially uh, especially if you're saying that you know i'm polyamorous because you know these people all give me different things which i understand because mm-hmm. i feel like i'm a i'm not a simple person in some ways i'm very simple but like um if you're constantly used to those different things being fed by different people how do you mentally um and emotionally like make that transition to like just having one person who like inevitably can't fill out those spaces they may only fill one uh, um, now Great. I'm sorry. Great question. That's such a great question. And and I'm going to put it right back to the show because I think this is why they explore her having a relationship with the woman. So oh, okay. yeah. she, that that's basically what that's about is, is she able to have a committed relationship? Mm-hmm. Right. And it just so happens to be they chose a woman as the character. But the question, that's basically what that relationship represents. That's the relationship of monogamy for her. And so what it requires in her case is focus. And and Nola just doesn't seem to have it, right? She hmm. just She's just not able to focus and commit to one person. Um, so, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. My person, I mean, I could, yeah, I, I, I think it does. I think it's difficult. To kind of go back to being normal once you've like you know it's like it's like the matrix it's like once you've taken the green pill you can't take the red pill like <laughs> true <laughs> like, my, my oh, oh no, you know? no 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 the, you can't the, you you can't no, he, he did the one character that snitched him out he checked back in no but he died he died <laughs> he didn't make it like no it's i mean i, I mean you almost am, am i bad i didn't mean to put you on the spot like that um Sorry. No, nah, uh, but it's all good. We went off on the deep end. Yeah, yeah, no, no, because I appreciate that. We got to invite you back on here, uh, Ife. You you came through like Oprah, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the conversation. Um, I'm going uh, uh, actually wrap it up so that we can actually we sure. going act well. Yeah. We got you on. We can talk about it. Um, we, what? We, Oprah, um, Oprah's uh-huh. speech. Her lifetime achievement awards uh, acceptance speech was it? Mm-hmm. Did it get out of hand on everybody's interpretation of like it? She need she's our savior and I, these days and times. I, I feel like some people were just talking shit. 
<laughs> like, yeah. like, and then the other part of me is like the scary. The scary thought is some people are really serious. Like she needs to be present, and I'm like, no, we we have not fallen that far. That we no, like, yeah, we have Trump, but damn, like, what are, what are her qualifications? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the same thing, but he ain't got none. But what are you about to say, Joe? No, I was gonna say that. Uh, you know, my first initial reaction was like, you know, she is, you know, she's the type from um if you if you're comparing like you know money and stuff like that like she's the type of business um woman that you know she made her mil- her billions doing you know the honest way i should say you know making you know, whereas trump made his billions you know taking you know hurt, hurting folks um but mm-hmm. i mean she has def she definitely has empathy you know she's definitely mm-hmm. a better a much She's more of a moral. She has morals, whereas Trump does not. So, I mean, on that alone, she's she's already better. Um, but on the same token, I'm thinking about like what happened down in uh, Alabama recently, like with the, with the Roy Moore situation, where, um, you know, fortunately he wasn't elected. You know, and the reason why he wasn't elected was because black women showed up and you know and kept that fool from you know being the mm-hmm. next senator. And so, and another and part of me is thinking is like, why should we? Um, you know, put the burden on black women to save us, you know, we, we like everyone else needs to step up, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that was my thoughts on that. So, yeah. Well, uh, so first of all, you know, I, I definitely follow politics too. Um, it just goes hand in hand with culture and society. Yeah. And so on, on a, on, um, on a very like social, cultural, emotional note, yes, you know, it's just a, be- it's just because we are just thirsty, right? We are just thirsty for leadership, yeah, and mm-hmm. are just desperate for someone that can like put verbs and subjects together. <laughs> <laughs> like we are like desperate, right? So people are like, oh my god, you sounded eloquent. We. like you know and um i think what we have is you know we have this we're living in a culture that's very quick right now everything is just happening so quickly that people you know it it reaches so many people and then you've got like the sincere people along with the sarcastic people so i think you just get you just end up with like this amalgamation of random agreement right Right. where people agree for various different reasons and oh yeah over 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 so I think that's the first wave. And then the next wave is followed by all the haters, right? Who are like, yeah. never Oprah. And it's like, wait a minute. We're not, she's not even running for anything. Hold on. Hold your horses. <laughs> like, if she never said that, that was just thousands of people on Twitter. Like, it's yeah. fine. So, so then you're left with, well, why can't a black woman lead? Right? Right. Why can't yeah. she be the leader? Why, why do they have to come out right away and hate on her instantly? Right. You know, like you said, Oprah Winfrey actually made her money through her labor, not through necessarily the labor of others that she exploited. Right. right? So, you know, she in that regard, she's an ethical choice. And we haven't had an ethical choice in, in a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, um, so there's a lot of beauty to that idea of having Oprah as a leader. But I think in reality, as a as a person who studies political science, it's important that we support the black women who are currently leaders in policy and politics. If Oprah Winfrey is behind the scene making king, 
that could that could really change the tide of things. That actually, no, you you right. That really could. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, I, I'm sorry. I got a I got a dip. Uh, I got uh, acting yeah. class and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, you I gotta get out to second guys, city. Yeah, so, too, but we yeah. can me me you and Joe can stay on. Uh, but Chris got to roll out. Yeah, got I just didn't want to disappear and, and fade you got to black. Show tonight, right? Yeah, I got another show tonight. Oh, you ain't going out like Jay Z. <laughs> well it's my first lead in a show so like i can't i mean i can't jay-z yet i ain't had i ain't had the or you know the jordan years yet i got i gotta i gotta build the legacy first okay. then fade to black Absolutely. but anyway uh it was great talking to you i just didn't you know just didn't want to go ghost and be like where the other dude at but yeah <laughs> all right chris all right y'all all right drive safe all bro right. we talk we connect later yeah <clears throat> well nice meeting you peace nice meeting you peace um but yeah so we honestly just to wrap all that up i'm my only hope is joe biden at this point (laughs) as long as he's healthy and mentally sound uh, he's a better option he's a true he is the only politician that has the capacity to go toe-to-toe with somebody like donald trump with the proper mechanisms and uh yeah machine behind him that could come back with some moral authority. If not him, yeah. Al Gore. I, I mean, I think Kamala Harris needs to be in, in this conversation. That, she's new. She, she's not new to. She's, she's not new, new to government. She's not inspiring, she's, bro. She's not new to government, she's though. Not inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I mean, she's Asian African American, but. I, uh, I, but she's she's a prosecutor, former I know prosecutor. That. And she knows her stuff, man. We had a constitutional law president. I mean, we really more so need a more a, just a morally sound president. We don't need somebody that's mm-hmm. you know. I think intellectual. I think I think. Hmm. I think the presidents tend to swing uh, on a pendulum. Also, you know, some some sometimes they they want people who are you know against constitutionalists. You know. Um, and then they seem to swing and they want people who have no experience whatsoever, you know, whatsoever. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think any, I, I'm, I'm happy that we've eliminated the question of experience altogether. It's just simply not a requirement. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad thing that we have people that really don't have any experience. I do think it's dangerous, though, if we have people that are not willing to learn. Right. That's and, what they. Yo, that's, that's the craziest that's part about it. Like I was, I was yeah. during what was that? What did he do that it was just like you could? Oh, the national anthem during oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. tit- uh, the college title game. Yep. You could have YouTube that, bro. Like, right. or you could have right. been like, "Yo, assistant, you right there. Give right. me the lyrics to the national anthem." I I know them faintly, but I'm a, I'm gonna right. be on national TV. I want to look, I you know, look good. like He's I'm doing my job. Right. But, you know, after all the hell yeah. he gave Jamil and Colin and, you know, yeah. it's just. All of the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and for him, though, he has no, he doesn't even blink about it. No. No. He, he's got no hesitation whatsoever. Nope. With not knowing things or, you know, or, or contradicting himself. Like, even in that instance, a nor- like you said, a normal person would have been like, look, I've been talking crap all these weeks. Let me make sure I know these words. Right. He, didn't even, he doesn't even have the forethought for humility. Nope. He right. doesn't even seem to say, oh, maybe I should check myself before I go out here. He right. don't even care. 
<laughs> like you be on Twitter mad crazy out here calling people out about their national anthem protest. Yep. Right. You don't bother you ain't go to YouTube? Right. You didn't check out the SoundCloud or nothing. The Whitney Houston version and been like, yeah, I got it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, but um, I think that is most of our topics for this episode, and I think we've yeah. hit a, a, a limit on our time. This has been a long. I know. <laughs> I've been I, I've been saying I'm gonna call you to do the podcast for like two hours, and we've been about an hour and a half in now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, um, that's. Huh? Hopefully, there's material you can use there. <laughs> oh, yeah, there definitely will be material we can use. We we got great conversations and 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 wanted to get more in depth on subjects uh, versus talking, you know, superficial about everything. So, I mean, it's a lot of people that do that with their podcast, and we just trying to avoid that. Our in depth, I, I appreciate your in depth and our in depth conversation on uh, what we've talked about. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. It was really a pleasure. Anytime, hit me up for right. sure. Right. And don't Thank forget you. to check out Collective Voices Film Fest in Chicago. When is it going to be this year? Um, it's usually at the end of October. I haven't planned everything just yet, but we'll do something this year for sure. All right, Joe's making notes. All right. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Peace out. But, yeah, thanks for listening in. Uh, this has been another episode of Films D. Peace.